listeners. I'm Joni B. Cole, host of Author Can I Ask You? In each short conversation, I ask a writer a non-writing related question that lets you and me get to know them just a little bit better as a person. I'm an author myself, so I'm always looking for an excuse to ask the odd questions. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Today, I welcome Kim Stafford, author of a dozen books of prose and poetry, including his new collection, Singer Come From Afar. Writes one reviewer, here is a bard of small creatures and gentle gestures who believes that art can help heal the wounds we've inflicted on Earth, our fellow species, and one another. And that conviction shines through every page of this big-hearted book. Kim is also the founding director of the Northwest Writing Institute at Lewis and Clark College, where he has taught writing since 1979. Hey there, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joni. Good to be here. Kim, I know you recently served as Oregon's Poet Laureate for two years. Congratulations. That's right. It was a good run. Yeah. So you brought poetry to schools and prisons and reservations and senior centers and homeless shelters, all with the eye towards, as you once put it, creating remedy. Can you elaborate on what you meant by that? Well, you know, everyone gets hammered by life, Joni. Uh, you know, you stay on this planet for a while and things hurt you, things puzzle you, maybe paralyze you. And uh, a few kind words, truly and honestly spoken, which I think is what a poem can be, can be a, a remedy for that, can make you more maybe more emotionally curious, you know, how could I do this life in a different way? Mm. So it's just a kind of a what if, you know, let's go into the spell of a poem and see what we're like when we come out the other end. I love that, the spell of a poem. Is there any particular interaction or conversation that really sticks out with you? Oh, many. I'll give you one, though. Um, you know, I went into being Poet Laureate with an idea from my predecessor, the Poet Laureate who preceded me, who's a Wasco Navajo writer, Elizabeth Woody. She said, you know, the more I do poetry, the less it's about what the poem is and the more about who the poem serves. Mm. So this idea of a poem serving someone, a poem for someone. So I went into a little school. It was called the Queen of Peace Elementary School. And I told the students, you know, there's someone in your life who needs a poem. And I want you to think of that person and write a poem for that person. <laughs> So they all went to work scribbling away, you know, fourth graders, they, they were very intent. And when we shared, one little guy wrote this, it's called Max, it's for his friend Max. <laughs> there are seven continents, there are seven oceans to cross, there are 50 states, there are 192 countries, there are billions of stars, and I met you. Oh my gosh, I wish that he had written that for me. Well, let's have it be for you, Joni. Um, <laughs> or how about you and your listeners take this invitation, think of someone in your life who needs a poem, and write a poem for that person. Your efforts have enriched so many people, but what do you get out of logging all those miles across that big state of yours? Well, you know, writing can be a lonely activity. You know, it requires solitude. It requires withdrawing from the world, sitting at your desk. 
And I love then to go forth and meet people who care about words. You know, people for whom a gentle run of words is a precious thing. Then I feel not so alone. I feel I'm part of the village of the people of yes. So you've traveled and you've taught in lots of places. But my understanding is that you were born and were raised in Portland, Oregon, which is where you still live and teach. So I think it was you, Kim, who once wrote something to the effect, your hometown gives you what you need. So I wondered, what is it that you need that Portland gives you? Well, I have to say I had eight hometowns by the time I was eight years old. Yes, I was born in Portland, but my parents were teachers and they kept looking for that elusive, better job. So when I was one or two, we moved to Iowa, back to Oregon, off to Indiana, off to California, just sort of ping-ponging around the country. But for me then, from age eight, there was a woods, there was a ravine near our house, and there were deer, there were coyotes, there was a stream with crawdads, there were places to hide, trees to climb. And that really was my creative mother, that patch of woodland uh, where I could go down and build a little fire under a tree and stare into the embers and think. Uh, that was very formative for me because I was <laughs> hard to believe as I babble on, Joni, but I was very shy. I hardly spoke in school. You know, I always sat in the back. I always stared out the window. So the <laughs> woods was my companion. Is it still something that calls to you? Yeah, you know, I I see a, a, a bird flying or I, I hear a cricket or I see the stars on my early morning walk and I feel companioned by the wild world. That's a lovely concept to think of the wild world as our companion. Kim, I want to switch gears now and talk about your definition of poetry. True words briefly spoken. I wondered if you could explain that a little bit more. Well, one of the great things about poems, at least many of them, they're short. <laughs> this is a <laughs> virtue. You know, my father used to say, harness all the sled dogs. Every word's got to pull its weight. And what that means is the music of the words, the rhythm of the lines, the uh, sometimes rhymes or hidden rhymes, evocative words, the senses. Something electric has to be happening because it's all got to be done in a short space. So to try to get truth into that and get it to be musical. Uh, it accomplishes what uh, writers have said for centuries, a poem should both delight and instruct. You know, it should be a pleasure, but it should also teach you something useful. And when I look at the language around me, the news, advertising, so on, they're all competing. Uh, they're trying to make money often. Poetry, there's no money in it. And what that means is truth is the coin of the realm for the poet. Nothing else is at stake but trying to tell deep things. So true words briefly spoken. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay with that. You mentioned your father, the renowned poet William Stafford. And you've been generous when you write about him, how much he has taught you. But what have you taught him or what did you teach him? 
Well, uh, one thing that kind of delights me, he quoted me without knowing it uh, one time <laughs> in an interview. He said, you know, I've been thinking that in a poem, words do what they can't say. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, I said that. <laughs> and uh, one time I was doing a program reading some of my dad's poetry in a little town, and a woman came up afterward and said, oh, my daughter took a class from your father, and she's always quoting him. It changed her life. You know, really, she's a writer now and everything. And I looked at this woman, and she was probably mid-50s, and I said, oh, is that right? She was my student. She wasn't my father's student. <laughs> Sometimes I meet people and they say, well, Stafford, I've heard of you, but I thought you'd be quite a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's okay. You know, we're the family guild, the Stafford Guild of Poetry. I recently read that during the pandemic, you would put up a poem and a photo every single day on Instagram. Is that correct? I'm still doing it. I did it today. Do you just like always have bits and pieces of poems or lines of poetry rolling around in your head? Well, you know, uh, I think, uh, Joni, of a, a story about the composer Bach, uh, his students asked him, Papa Bach, uh, where do you get your melodies? Oh, my child, I stumble over them getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like we're surrounded by certainly language, but also sensation uh, pleasure, regret, anger, puzzlement. You know, there's no shortage. And I need to quote my father here because he had a beautiful formulation. He has an essay called A Way of Writing. And it begins, a writer is not someone who has something to say. A writer is someone who has discovered a process that by entering into the process, things will occur to you to say that you didn't know before. So one of my students said, you know, the muse comes to the moving pen. Picasso once said, inspiration exists, but it has to find us working. So when you sent along your bio, it had this wonderful little succinct line at the end. He teaches and travels to raise the human spirit. What do you do when your spirit needs lifting? Oh, I write. <laughs> One of my feelings about writing is a writer really just needs two things. One is a sense of abundance and a place to begin. And the place to begin is that page and the pen. But the sense of abundance, it can be abundant inspiration. That doesn't happen to me very often. But it can be abundant joy, abundant uh, confusion, abundant sorrow, abundant grief abundant mystification. We're surrounded by abundance. And to take it on, take it seriously, uh, welcome what's before you and begin writing, it's going to work. Trust me. Let me read a little poem here, Joni, if I could. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I wrote this for... Um, you know, an example of abundance, uh, I was talking with a ranch wife out in eastern Oregon in the countryside after a program, and she said, I'm just so discouraged. You know, I go to these meetings to make our community a better place, and there's all this arguing and shouting, and I feel worse when I leave than when I arrived, and I'm about to give up. And I thought, well, that won't do. <laughs> so I wrote this poem for her. It's called uh, Dew and Honey. Sip by sip in thimble cup, the meadow bees will drink it up. 
Then fairy home to bounty's hive, flowers, flavor, hum, and thrive, to show us how through word and song, by gesture small and patience long, in spite of our old foolish ways, we may fashion better days. So, my friend, come sip and savor syllables as crumbs of pleasure. By honor in each conversation, we begin a better nation. Well, someone needed a poem and delivered it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I needed it too. You know, I need cheering up now and then. So mm -hmm. I write my way from consternation to peace. Yeah, I believe that. Writing can lift our spirits. Yeah, you know, especially, uh, Joni, if you're writing for someone else, if you're going to put it forth. I mean, I use Instagram, but you can put your poem, tape it to a telephone pole, go to the library, slip it into a book. Someone will find it. Go to the Goodwill and put it in the pocket of a coat and someone will find it. You know, leave it in the Xerox machine at work without your name. Someone will find it. I call it secret publishing. Let me ask you, outside or inside the world of writing, what haven't you done yet that you still want to do? Well, uh, I retired from Lewis and Clark in August after 41 years. And um, congratulations. Yeah. Then I entered into more teaching than I've ever done in my life online. <laughs> you know, there was such a hunger for people to write. Welcome to retirement. Uh, yeah. Well, a friend of mine who lived in Hanoi for a while said in Vietnam, when someone retires, they say, he has gone to the garden. And I've kind of gone to the garden. I moved a ton and a half of stone with my bare hands to make a garden wall and planted a lot of things. So that's one thing. I want to um, I want to help my children. You know, they have inherited a difficult world. Hmm. And I want to be, in my humble way, a help to them. Uh, I should have some wisdom. <laughs> I should have some insight, some encouragement. So that's a project unto the end. Well, I think you'll figure it out when you're working in the garden. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kim, do you have time for one more question? Oh, please. If you were to write a six-word memoir, what would it be? Can I give you two? <laughs> you sure can. Okay, well, when we first talked about this uh, chance of conversation, Joni, I wrote, born lucky, loss deepened, always writing. Mm. But today I have another one. Nature boy, <laughs> fevered writer, happy codger. There's definitely a couple nuances there that are different from one day <laughs> to the next. And yet the constant, always writing. Because writing is good medicine for the writer and for the reader. Mm -hmm. It's a great free human activity. You know, we have freedom of speech, but we have to learn how to be free in speech. And writing is one way to become more free. True words, briefly spoken. Kim, before I let you go, I want to take this opportunity to tell you that when I read your essay, My Father's Place, in a collection of best writing on writing. I thought that piece was amazing. And I reread it so many times because not only is it beautiful, but because every time I reread it, it makes me want to write. So I want to thank you for that. 
And I really want to thank you for this time today, too. You've made my day, Joni. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Tim Stafford, his books, and his creative process, be sure to visit his website, kimstaffordpoet.com. So that's it for this episode of Author, Can I Ask You? Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you like what you heard, please spread the word and visit me on my website, JoniBCole.com. In the meantime, take care, act civil, and don't be afraid to ask the odd questions.